Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hashtag Clocked In with me, your host, Jordan Edwards. I'm thrilled to have you tune in as we dive into the dynamic world of productivity, success, and stories of incredible individuals who've mastered the art of getting things done. Whether you're commuting, hitting the gym, or just relaxing at home, this podcast is the go-to source for inspiration and actionable tips to level up your productivity game. I'm on a mission to unravel the secrets of those who seem to effortlessly manage their time and achieve their goals. So if you're ready to clock in and unlock your full potential, you're in the right place. We've got a lineup of amazing guests, industry experts, and thought leaders who will share their insights and strategies to help us crush your to-do list and make the most out of every moment. Get ready to get inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to supercharge your productivity. This is Hashtag Clocked In with Jordan Edwards. Let's dive in. Hey, what's going on, guys? we got a special guest today. We have Phil Cook. Phil, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm thrilled to be on here. This will be fun. Yeah, we're excited to have you on the Clocked In podcast. So, Phil, what what are you up to? What are you doing? <laughs> well, I have a production company based in Los Angeles. I've lived here in LA for many, many years. And um, we produce things all over the world. We shot programming in about 70 countries around the world. But I also have a unique bent toward helping leaders kind of navigate this digital culture we live in. I've had a lot of time. I just got back from a conference in Atlanta yesterday. And I spent a lot of time speaking and coaching leaders because we live in a world where if you don't understand how to use social media, websites, this digital world we live in, you're going to be pretty lost. And um, we were talking earlier, there's a lot of material out there for leaders and leadership, but there's not a lot about how to lead creative people, how to deal with the media world we live in. So I spent a lot of time helping people do that. Oh, that's incredible. And it's always such a transition. Um, so for you, where, where did your journey start off? Probably college. I'm a preacher's kid from Charlotte, North Carolina. I went a thousand miles away to college in Oklahoma. And um, when I was in high school, I had a bunch of buddies that we made movies. We took my dad's Super 8 movie camera. Remember back in those days when it was a three minute reel of film and uh, we made army movies and space movies and war movies, all kind of stuff. And uh, took those to college, not thinking I'd do this for a living. Never crossed my mind. You could actually you know, do that for a living. And I took it to college thinking I'll find some buddies that want to do that. And I ran into a guy who was taking a film class and he said, Hey, I can show you how to edit those little movies. And so I went down to his film class one night. And uh, while we were working, the professor was there, he saw the movie and um, he said, you know what, I've been watching your little film and, and I've got students that have been taking two or three years and don't do this well. And he asked, he said, can I show your film in my class tomorrow? So I said, yeah, if I can sit on the back row. So I did. And he showed my movie and at the end of the film, and believe me, it was nothing Jordan to scream about, Yeah. but at the, at, at the end of the film, the class discussed it. And this, this, I had this moment, this crystal clear moment of revelation that if I can do something with a camera that makes people talk like that, that's what I'm supposed to do with my life. And so I literally changed my major that day and uh, oh, went wow. into film, film, TV, media, and I've just never looked back. That's incredible. And I, I love the fact that it's just for the audience that you started before that there was even uh, let's make money here. Let's be this. Let's do this yes. role. You just yeah. started with whatever your interest was. And I feel like we lose that sometimes. 
Well, that's a great point, Jordan. I'm, I meet people all the time here in Hollywood that will say, film, you know, Phil, I want to make a movie. I want to write a book. I want to launch a company. And uh, the, I'm say, so, okay, so why don't you do it? Well, I'm waiting for the funding. I'm waiting to meet a producer. I'm waiting to meet a network. And you know what? The, start, just do something. Cash in the credit cards, get your iPhone out. You know, there's two there's two film festivals for movies made on iPhones. So the truth is there's no reason why you shouldn't just start in some way, shape or form. I've, I've discovered that a resume only goes so far. A bio only goes so far. People want to see something. So I, I agree with you hundred percent, get out there, start, do something. Absolutely. So what, when does your journey, uh, do, do you move out to LA? Well, I, after college, I came to LA for um, about a year. And back in those okay. days, there wasn't there wasn't the independent filmmaking movement that there is today. And it was all unionized. And to get into a union, you had to, you had to have a relative in the, in there. <laughs> so I, I went back to the Midwest for about ten years and worked. And uh, I got a break when I finally came I, to I, LA. It's it's funny. I got fired from my job in the Midwest. And getting fired was the spark that caused me to finally move to L.A. I knew I was supposed to do that. And uh, I tell people, I think it was God that fired me. You know, I was I was just kept waiting and rationalizing. Finally, I got fired. And so I, I tell people today that sometimes getting fired is the best thing that could ever happen to you because it's what caused us to come to L.A. and launch the company. And we've been here ever since. Absolutely. And what job are you doing there? Well, we have a production company based in LA called Cook Media Group, and um, it's interesting. We work mostly with nonprofit organizations, great causes, a lot of a lot of Christian organizations because they do amazing work around the world. We've been we've been filming, you know, building water wells in India. We filmed um, refugees in in the middle in in, in former Soviet Union's uh, countries. We've done sex trafficking documentaries in Moldova. We've been all over the world filming and helping organizations get their story out there because a lot of these nonprofits and ministry type organizations are doing remarkable stuff out there. And so um, we're thrilled to help them do that. So, you know, there's, there's more money in Hollywood, but I just really have a passion for helping organizations who are doing remarkable work, tell their story through the media. So that's what we really focus on. Yeah. And uh, as I was doing research on you, it became more and more fascinating with the amount of countries you've been to that you work, uh, the people you work with, the, wide range of variety of people you work with yeah. whether the church espn well like i'm like this yeah. is too much yeah interesting well it does and and you know it's i tell people it's not it's you know i'm a big believer in focusing you know that niche find that one thing that you're the best in the world at you know if you try to i tell young filmmakers if you're trying to come to Hollywood and, and just become a director, you're going to compete with everybody, Steven Spielberg and James Cameron. And, you know, the biggest guy, Quentin Tarantino, the biggest names out here. But if you try to focus on a certain budget level, on a certain type of movie, a certain genre, you know, the more we can narrow down that niche, the better. Doesn't mean you can't work with a lot of different people like I'm doing, but essentially the kind of work I'm doing is a pretty narrow niche. So that's kind of a a really key leadership principle for people who are building their careers. Don't try to be all things to all people. Don't try to do everything. Really focus. What is that one area of your life that you're gifted at, that you're wired to do, that you could potentially change the world? If you could figure that out, I always, I just believe that's a, a key way to advancing your career to the next level. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. There needs to be some direction in which case you're going, but yeah, 
with you making that jump from the Midwest back to LA. Yeah. What was the, cause I, I was pondering this before. I'm like, there's a part of the creativeness is like that people I find, and I mean, you're probably much more astute with this. People lose their creativity as they age, like unless they're really working on it, unless they're really in yes. touch with it. And then That's when you add that, <laughs> that financial burden of like, Oh, we got to yeah. pay for life. We have a kid. We have this. You go, right. what do we do? <laughs> how did you, how do you find it when, because I feel like as the finances get tighter, it becomes more stressful and it's like, we yeah. got to put out the, co- <laughs> how did- that's right. It's true. I, 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 you know, and let me answer that in a couple ways. First of all, you're exactly right, Jordan. There is no evidence, by the way, this is just important to know. There's no research at all that indicates we get less creative as we get older. As long as you say, as long as we're plugged in, as we're engaging people, we're reading, studying the culture, studying our profession, what we do, as long as we stay plugged in, there is no evidence that we can't stay creative as long as we want. In fact, a lot of people launch businesses in their 60s, 70s, 80s. It's remarkable when you really look at the number of people, artists, writers, thinkers, business leaders who do amazing things in their 70s and 80s. So it's a question. It's not a question of losing our creativity. It's more a question of staying plugged in. Like you say, if we can do that, then we're in we're in business. And so I think that's a big deal for people to understand. There's no reason to step back. You know, it's funny. I live and work in Hollywood and we're obsessed with 20 year olds. We think that, you know, only the young people have great ideas. But the truth is, there's some brilliant, brilliant older leaders out here and creative people out here. And we ought to if, you, if you're listening to this and, and you're an older person, don't think you need to step back or slow down in your career. You have great ideas. If you're staying engaged and plugged in, that's an incredible thing. The second thing, uh, the second question is, how, how did I do it moving from the Midwest here to Hollywood? When I was in my mid-30s, I, you were right. I had two little girls. I was married, had responsibilities. And um, I tell you, I, I've written a couple of blog posts on my blog at philcook.com about you know, what, what to do if you're fired after 40 or fired after 50. There are things that, that you really need to focus on. And I tell people, don't quit your job just because you're frustrated. Don't leave just because you're mad or you're angry or a project doesn't work. You know, it needs to be very strategic. In my case, I thought it out. I was really thinking we we sold our house and started renting a house so that I could move, you know, at, at the spur of the moment if I needed to. Um, I started looking at clients that we were working with in the Midwest, thinking of, okay, which one of these guys would stick with me if I suddenly left our company and started working on my own and launching my own shingle? Would they stick with me? And I started developing those relationships and cultivating those. So when I did hit the street, when I, I did get fired and I ended up being out on the street, guess what? Those guys did stick with me and they helped make that bridge happen for me to come all the way to LA. So it it needs to be well thought out. Who are the relationships that you have, the friends you have, the business, you know, the business connections you have that can help you bridge that gap and make that make that connection to get to, from where you are to where you want to be. That's the question. Absolutely. And I, I love that you uh, you're opening up about that. That it's not because it can be easy. Yeah, I got fired, and then we went yep. out to LA, and it blew up. No, it's That's much hard. more strategic. <laughs> it's much more strategic. So, how long do you think you were working on that plan? Um, well, it's, and then, yeah, 
Probably about a year. I mean, we literally sold our house, I think, about a year before I got fired because I sensed it. I knew that, you know, I, I knew that things weren't right in the company I was working with. I knew things were uncomfortable and the boss wasn't crazy about my ideas. And, and uh, you know, the founder of the organization loved my ideas. We had a great relationship. But as his son took over, there was a little more friction. There was a little more awkward. He wanted to do things his way. And um, I understood that. That was perfectly okay. And um, I, I didn't have any resentment at all, but I started planning and I started thinking about what I needed to do and the steps I needed to make to make that transition. And, you know, it's interesting. We live in a really volatile moment right now in our culture. And so a lot of people listening is, are probably thinking, you know, should I make that jump? Should I leave? We've gone from, you know, COVID, which was so unsettling and so strange. And now that we're emerging, what what are the, what's the job market like? And it's quite volatile in so many places. And so I just encourage people don't don't be rash. Don't make you know judgments or moves because you just get upset or angry. Think about it. Lay out the plan. And usually, if you can lay out a good plan and think about those relationships. And I'll tell you, Jordan, one of the things I do believe is that people skills are more important than the skills it takes to do your job. And I think one of the things that helped me the most is I had great relationships with clients, with people, with friends. And so when those times come that's stressful or crisis or difficult moments, if you have great people skills, if you know how to lead a team, if you know how to get along with people, if you have great relationships with clients, even I even believe that, you know, some of the clients we've lost over the years are still my great friends. And so having those kind of people skills is really, really critical. I, I, I think, like I say, more important than the skills it takes to do your job. If you can play well with people and get along with people and inspire people, you can go a long way in your career. Absolutely. And one of, one of the things I loved is that you're building the relationships prior to the ask. You're yes. working on the things and then <laughs> moving to the ask, not asking and then being like, oh, you have the relationship first. I was talking about this with a couple of buddies of mine because it's much more powerful that way than being, Phil, can you do this for me? Phil, can you do this yes. for me? It's yeah. You know, in the 80s, networking, you know, got uh, some bad connotations. Networking in the old days was about how can you manipulate people? How can you get them to do things for you? But the truth is networking is a powerful, powerful tool. Just meeting people, knowing people, I, you know, because we've shot, we've produced programming in so many countries around the world. And I have such great relationships that I've often thought I could be I could be kidnapped and dumped in any country on the planet and I would be OK. I would know somebody there and um, I have a relationship with people in almost, you know, every country out there. So I yeah. think that <clears throat> networking is a very strategic tool and it's not about getting what you want out of people. It's about developing relationships and helping them, them helping you. And I'll tell you, it, it can overcome a lot of situations. So I always encourage people, you know, don't just do a business transaction with a client or a boss or a person, develop a relationship, get to know their kids, get to know their family, uh, develop that relationship. It can, it can really go a long way towards helping you later on in life. Absolutely. And for you, when you made that jump, it was you and your wife that started the company, right? We, yep, we did. We started the company in our, our spare bedroom and, um, it's, it's amazing um, what you can do if you just have the courage to go out there and try. And we started, you know, it, our first client was Phillips Petroleum. I, I, I've never told them this, I don't think, but they were the first. When I stepped out, I had a relationship there. I knew a guy that was uh, one of the leaders at Phillips Petroleum, and uh, they 
called me up and, and they said, hey, we need you to do a couple things for us. And they helped me bridge that gap from the Midwest to Hollywood. And we I did a couple documentary films for them. And it just yeah. takes one, you know, one client. It just takes one client, one one relationship to really help you take that step. And once that started, I started getting calls from other people as well. So it's 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 difficult, but if you're strategic and really think it out, those transitions can come, it can, you know, you can handle those transitions really well. Absolutely. Um, and for you, how was working with your significant other? How, how did that, like, <laughs> well, I just, I just know that's a process. Nobody ever asked me that, but it's a great question. Um, it's really a great question. I, I think that, and, and I, let me tell you this, this is really important, but <clears throat> because I meet so many people that come to Hollywood that feel, you know, they want to, they have a passion about making films or getting into the television industry or whatever. The thing that I see that that destroys their career the quickest is marriage problems. I, I find that a cu young couple will come out here excited about getting into the movie business or television business, but it's very difficult. And if both of you aren't on the same page, if both of you aren't going to the same place and both of you aren't moving in the same direction, it will cause problems. And after a year, two years, three years, five years, one of the, you know, one, one of the people in the partnership decides they want to go back to Iowa or they want to go back to Oklahoma or Texas or wherever. And it really causes a rift. So I think the thing I would encourage people with is make sure you and your spouse, you and your significant other are on the same page. That's so incredibly important that you sit down and have that really difficult conversation about, okay, if we make this move, here's what it means. Here's the sacrifices we're going to have to make. Here's the, the challenges we're going to face. And both of you be in perfect agreement. Because like I say, I, I can go back 40 years and tell you the people that I've seen that have crashed and burned or had the greatest challenges or gone back to the, you know, wherever they came from in failure are people that, their, their, their marriage or relationship fell apart. They couldn't make that work and they couldn't stay on the same page. That means so much. And so my wife, Kathleen, we're still, I mean, we've been married more than 40 years now and we've gone through some significant challenges. We've raised two daughters and um, they've turned out really well to our shock. And, um, but it's all because we just constantly are having that conversation about, okay, here's where we're going. Here's what we're committed to. And we're going to do this together. And that makes a dramatic difference. And, you know, for us too, you know, we have a faith component. We, we happen to be Christians. Yeah. And so there's a spiritual component here. That's really important for us. And, uh, but that helps, I think, unite us and keeps us on the same page. So that makes a big difference as well. Yeah. So let's dive into the faith a little bit. Cause sure. So like with, uh, my my company. It's Edwards Consulting. I focus on mental health, physical health, community service, philanthropy, yeah. um, relationships, and then spirituality, which you seem to be excelling at all areas. <laughs> so it, it's always fascinating when you get someone who's so well rounded. Well, I don't know about how well rounded I am. I think, but but there is a balance. You're you're exactly right. There is a balance, and that's why I love your podcast, by the way, because you have this amazing range of people that you interview, and you can see insight from so many different perspectives. And you know, the, the spiritual thing is a really big deal. As I said earlier, my dad was a pastor. I have a PhD in theology, simply because I'm fascinated with that world. I'm not a I'm not a pastor. I'm not a theologian or a professor or anything. I just am fascinated with that world. I've always loved it. And um, I, I kind of, I, I'm the kind of person that 
I want to answer the big questions. If you, if you, you know, why am I here? What, what, where am I going? You know, what's the purpose of life? If you can figure those things out, you start to get a better handle on things. And so I I've always pursued those big questions first. It's like putting, you know, that whole illustration about putting the big rocks in the jar first, and uh, then things get sorted a little bit better. So I've always been really curious about those big life questions. And once you can start focusing on those, then I think everything else seems to fall into place. So as a result, it doesn't bother me so much if I lose a client. It doesn't bother me so much if if a project fails or doesn't get the results we wanted, because as long as the big questions are in place, then I, the little things fall into place pretty well. And what are some of those big questions? Well, I think uh, I think a big per- a big part of it is why you know the purpose of why I'm here. I think a lot of people fail, and you know, in their leadership and their career, um, <clears throat> simply because they don't have a good handle on why am I here in the first place. That that why question is so big, so really, really big. And so, from a spiritual perspective, I'm here because uh, you know I think God put me on the earth to accomplish something. I, I think that every one of us is wired in a different way. We were created for a purpose. And for me to pursue that purpose is really what gives my career meaning. Uh, you know, like I said earlier, I've done a couple Super Bowl commercials and um, yeah, I was a partner in an advertising company for about seven or eight years. And I realized pretty quickly that you could make money there, but I don't know if selling tomato ketchup or selling, you know, hot dogs or selling hamburgers or selling, you know, Cokes or things. And that's really my purpose in life. I doubt it. I don't, I don't wake up every morning excited to go um, sell an insurance company, but if I'm working on a, a human trafficking problem in, in the Middle East, helping young girls get out of a terrible, terrible situation and creating a documentary that brings attention to that, man, I can go to bed at night feeling like I've really accomplished something. So yeah. people that people are list, that are listening, that there's nothing wrong with selling insurance. There's nothing wrong with selling whatever you sell, but find the meaning behind it. Find the purpose behind it. What is greater? How can you help people make a greater difference? That's what I like about what you do is you're helping people with great causes and great purpose out there. You're you're just really helping people find the next level in their career. That's really significant. And we can do that. I I, I spoke to the, the executive vice president of Toyota the other day, and he's just like I am, super passionate about helping people find their purpose. And he's so successful because of that. He's not just selling cars. He's trying to help people. And it does make a dramatic difference, whatever career you choose. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love the point where you said, let's find the purpose. Let's yeah. really make the most of it. Because it doesn't, like you getting into your creative career was not, hey, let's go see what cool event. Like it all kind of, it all comes and it's fluid and it's in motion. And for yes. you, what do you, what do you think was the travel because um, I find it fascinating that you guys were in 70 different countries like, and you got yeah. stories for days, but like, what are some of the ones where you were like, like maybe some top three, like where you're like, wow, this is like really cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been, I've been to the headwaters of the Amazon river in Brazil. I, I've, I, I flew into Manaus, a city about halfway up, uh, halfway up the Amazon. Then we chartered a light plane and flew for two more, you know, flew about four hours farther up and landed on a dirt airstrip. And uh, then we chartered a freighter and went for two days on a, on a chunky freighter up, up the Amazon. And, and then we got in canoes and we had all our film gear and our equipment, got them in canoes and we canoed for another day to this tiny little, tiny little stretch of, of the river and uh, found a tribe. It was really funny. You'll get a kick out of this. We found a tribe that 
is not a very friendly tribe. You have to be welcomed into the tribe uh, or you may yeah. not leave. And we got to the tribe and all their huts were there and it was totally deserted, totally deserted. And we started looking around, trying to find people. And we went in this hut and it was empty, we went into another and it was empty. Finally, we went to the last hut in the little village and it was packed. It was filled with every, everybody in the village was crammed into this hut. And as we looked, they were all standing around a, a beat up black and white television being powered by a car battery. And they were watching an episode of that old 80s show, Dallas. Remember that show, Dallas? And I thought, oh, my gosh, these people are going to be screwed up for the rest of their life if that's what they're watching. <laughs> and uh, but I have to think in the middle of the Amazon jungle, they're watching an old U.S. TV show powered by a, on a TV powered by a car battery. And you, at that moment, I realized the power of media is so pervasive in the world. And that was before the Internet. That was before computers. Yeah, that was way back. And so and I, and I, I tell you, everywhere I've been now, everybody's got a phone. Everybody's got a computer. It's just amazing um, how people consume media around the world. And so I really believe that if you do want to change the world with your cause, your purpose, whatever it is you're trying to do, if you're not online, if you're not telling that story in a powerful way through social media, through short video, through things like that, you're not going to make much of an impression because I'll tell you, the world right now is focused online. And that's and, and we saw it during the, the pandemic when everything was shut oh, down. Yeah. We all had to go online and churches, you know, even churches. We work a lot with churches around the world. And churches had to live stream their services because people couldn't meet. They couldn't go in. And um, it was just remarkable how churches stepped up. You know, it was funny. I, I live here in Hollywood and I can look out my office window and see Walt Disney Studios and uh, Warner Brothers, Universal, Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon. And for almost a year, those studios were ghost towns. Nobody was working yeah. there because everything was shut down. And But during that year, churches really stepped up. They were live streaming. They were doing social media, video. And I think for that year, the church in, in America produced more media than Hollywood did. So it's just interesting when you start seeing the shift in things that are happening out there in the media world. And that's really what keeps us busy and keeps us going because there's so much to be done. Oh, absolutely. And it's constantly ever changing with the different Facebook, TikTok, this, that, YouTube shorts, blah, blah, blah. It really is. How do you... Uh, stay in touch with all that or record it can be overwhelming if someone wants to start a brand or a personal brand it's like do we do it on one platform do we do it on eight yeah. platforms like <laughs> absolutely it? It, it can be overwhelming and i i really encourage people that are thinking in the along those lines and particularly leaders to understand that every social media platform is a different audience for instance most leaders are on Twitter. You know, a lot of people are saying, particularly young people will say, well, Twitter's going away. It's not as strong as it used to be, but that's where leaders are. It's where executives are, politicians are, coaches, you know, pastors, any, anybody who's a leader is very often quite active on Twitter. So it's still really vital for that message. Facebook is more family and friends. Um, I, I can put a leadership message on Twitter. It gets a great response. I put that same message on Facebook, drops like a brick. But, you know, that I have a lot of fun on Facebook and it's mostly a friendly family friendly kind of thing. Then Instagram is a different audience uh, entirely. That's more, it's a little more hip. It's a little more contemporary. It's much more visually based. And a lot of people are moving to Instagram. And then TikTok is even farther out there. Younger people are gravitating toward that in huge numbers. So a lot of this is just knowing where your audience is, knowing who, who, are, who is your tribe, who are the people you want to connect with, and focusing on one or two of those platforms. You don't have to try to be all things to all people, but 
find the platforms where the people are you need to connect with, get on those platforms and stay active. And Jordan, one of the things I tell people is that one of the secrets of really growing your following is share what it's like to be you. So often we get on social media and we just talk about, oh, here I am in New Jersey. I'm visiting a client in New Jersey. Great. And nobody cares. Um, or, you know, here's a great quote or a great saying from somebody. Great. But show them a little bit of behind the scenes of your life. You know, like for you, for instance, what's it like to be Jordan? What's it like to interview people the way you do? What's it like to coach people? What's it like to motivate people? What's it like behind the scenes when you're doing research and you're looking into how you're going to to help this new client? Yeah. Um, people love to have those glimpses of what your life is like behind the scenes. And so I think a big key for leaders is show people what your life is like. Very often I'll show a glimpse of what it's like behind the scenes filming. I was in Malta uh, just last month filming a documentary and we would stop and do a couple little short videos on for Facebook and for Twitter and for Instagram about what we were doing behind the scenes, why we were there, what the project was about gives people a little glimpse of what Phil's life is like behind the scenes. And people le- love that stuff. They, le- they eat it up. So I just encourage people, don't just tell people how awesome you are on social media. Show them a little bit about what your work is like, what the behind the scenes is like. And people are endlessly fascinated with that. Gotcha. So more of that journey, more of the journey yes. that people go on. People love a great story. So tell them a story about what you're doing. That's so important. Absolutely. Now, in in regard to all of this, I know you have um, a lot of leadership skills inside of creatives. Like, so if someone's got a a boss or because these social media people are coming up every, it's getting more and more creative all around. So yes. Should we manage these people the same way we're managing like the accounting department? (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. You know, it's funny that we we do have a lot of leadership stuff out there. Guys like John Maxwell and and plenty of others have done some amazing work in leadership and helping us understand how to lead people more effectively. But there's not a lot about leading creative people. And so I've spent an enormous amount of my life as a as a television producer as a director leading teams of creative people. And so I think understanding how creative people work and face it, whatever you do in life today, you're going to deal with a designer. You're going to deal with a writer. You're going to deal with a video person. You're going to deal with creative people of all types, a webmaster. And so learning how to inspire and motivate those creative people, you're exactly right. It's different from the accounting crowd. It's different from the marketing team or the, the sales team. How to inspire creative people is really critical. And one of the keys, I think, is understanding that creative people, this is a dirty little secret that we usually don't (laughs) let let people know, creative people love deadlines. I mean, I, I, I wrote a new book called Ideas on a Deadline, How to Be Creative When the Clock is Ticking, because creative people really thrive on deadlines. We all have them. We all have deadlines. We have to have that presentation or that product or that project done by, and Leaders that don't give their creative team a deadline are really doing them a disservice. So always give your team, don't make it unreasonable, but make a reasonable deadline for people because it gives them a roadmap, helps them understand if I have to deliver here, then I need to do my research here. I need to you know study here. I need to talk with people about it here. I need to brainstorm here. So it really gives people a roadmap. So deadlines really do matter for creative people. Another interesting thing is stability matters for creative people. It's interesting that you, you shouldn't threaten your creative team with you know the companies going under if you can't come up with a new logo. Um, that doesn't work because if they're worried yeah. about their job, they're not going to they're not going to think in creative ways For, as much as you possibly can. Give them a stable environment, help creative people 
you know, feel stable in their job so they can unleash their creative brilliance on the project they're working on. So, um, and, and I'd say another thing really quickly is protect them. You know, so often creative people, everybody feels like they can criticize creative people's work. You know, they see the new logo, they see the new script, they see a, a new website. Everybody feels like they have an opinion about it, but if your creative team is constantly bombarded with criticism, they're going to pull back. And so as a leader, whatever you can protect them from a lot of unwarranted or, you know, crazy critics out there, because that will really help them blossom and grow. So little things like that can make a dramatic difference if you're leading a team of creative people. Yeah. And your ideas on a deadline. I yes. reading some of the book and it's just, it's very interesting when you start take it all down and like, where do the ideas come from? Why do people do this? And I sit there and I think back to my life and there was a time uh, back in 2020 when I was like, it just happens with everything like this podcast. I was, True. I, I had the videos done. I didn't post them because I didn't have a deadline. <laughs> I was working <laughs> on a book. Yes. Working on a book with someone. We don't have a deadline. So it's like, oh, we'll get to it when we get to it, which means That's we right. never get to it. That's right. And I, yeah. Well, it's, 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 you're exactly right. I don't even take a project on anymore unless it has a deadline. And, and further, <laughs> I don't even start working on it until I see the deadline coming at me. Um, it's funny. I, when I interviewed people for the book, Ideas on a Deadline, I interviewed Madison Avenue creative people who are doing amazing advertising. I interviewed Hollywood people that are making films and creating great advertising campaigns for movies. And one thing I discovered is the higher level creative, the more they love deadlines. In fact, so many of them don't even start the work until they see the deadline looming in the distance because it really gets their blood pumping and gets their brain, you know, thinking. But I wrote the book essentially because we we live under so many myths out there about creativity. We think, you know, I'll come up with that idea, no problem, but I'll wait for it to hit me. I'll wait to have this aha moment or this eureka moment when the, the idea gods drop the idea on me. But the truth is we can have, there are things that we can do that will accelerate our ideas so that you don't have to, you know, I, I hear people say, well, you know, I've got a presentation due on Tuesday. I'd like another week. If I could have another week, it'd be great, but I'll come up with something Tuesday. It won't be great, but it'll be, it'll be okay. That's, that's crazy. You could have an amazing idea by Tuesday. If you do some of the things that I outline in my book, which help people accelerate having great ideas, there's a mind body connection and there's things that we can do physically that will help trigger those great ideas. And that's the key thing. I, I've just discovered really creative people, creative pros out there. They don't wait for ideas. They go after them with a club, as Jack London, the novelist said, you can have ideas when you need them on the schedule you need them to happen. And that's, that's yeah. really why I wrote the book. Yeah, I, I think it makes uh, a massive difference. And when I was reading, you were talking about um, one of the funny parts I thought was uh, the brainstorming sessions. Yes. And you're like, these people, like, everyone's got to go do the work on their own first. Yes. And then actually, because you can't expect someone two minutes in, hey, Phil, give me a good idea. And it's like, that's exactly I thought that right. was brilliant. Well, there's a lot of research out there that indicates 
if you have five people in a brainstorming session, you'll come up with better ideas if you send those five people away and have them work individually than if you get them all together. Now, there's a time when getting people together and kicking ideas around is a great thing. Uh, we have in Hollywood what we call a writer's room. And when you see a television series on streaming or on networks, wherever, very often a writer's room is a, gr a room where all the writers will come together and they'll kick ideas around, but then they go off and do it on their own. And I just think that brainstorm, you know, what we call brainstorming sessions are often hosted by people who aren't having good ideas on their own. And they feel like, well, if I can get a bunch of people together, we'll come up with something. But the truth is brainstorming sessions rarely, rarely work uh, for a lot of reasons. You know, for me, I don't want to be in a room where somebody's shouting out ideas like crazy. You know, I want to go and think and, and have a little quiet time. Um, and it's just proven time and time again that it's better, better to send your people off have them come up with some at least initial thoughts, some initial ideas, some initial suggestions. Then maybe we bring them together and we vet those ideas among each other. So just starting cold in a meeting and saying, hey, what do y'all think about this? Let's come up with some ideas. That just doesn't work. Send them off, have them come up with the ideas on their own and then get them together. And you'll see a big, big difference in the quality of the ideas. Yeah, absolutely. And Phil, for you, it's it's impressive how long you've been that like doing so well being so successful like it, it really is impressive um what what would you say some of those tips are to stay relevant and it's not even just in the creative field but i'm just saying in any field over yeah. a long period of time it, like i can tell you're very in tune with what's going on with the media I, you know what? I think the key thing is being engaged, staying plugged in, staying connected. I I, I want to surround my, you know, it's funny, about 10, 10 or 15 years ago, I suddenly worked, looked at our video work and our documentaries and our short films and commercials. And I, and I thought, you know, they just look really, really dated. And I thought, you know, people were doing this years ago and it's not as contemporary as what I'm seeing now among other filmmakers and other producers. And um, I, it was a real wake up call for me. And I, I started surrounding myself with, with more creative people, better creative people. And it made a dramatic, dramatic difference for me. And so I'm always thinking, how can I rethink my career? What do I need to be knowing? What do I need to be learning? How do I stay plugged in? Like I said earlier, I was at a conference in, in Atlanta just yesterday speaking. Um, I was in Rome two weeks before that at a conference speaking. And in each, each of those places, I'm spending the, the day engaged with some brilliant people, talking to them about what's working for them and what's not working. So I think if if you're listening to this and, and you're a leader or you're a creative person or you're a, whatever you do, the key is staying plugged in. What's happening in your business? What's happening in your, your, your world, in your space that you're working in? Who are the people you need to be reading? Uh, who are need, the people you need to be listening to? What are the podcasts like this one that you need to be listening to? Um, I think being plugged in is probably the single most important thing because we're all creative. I mean, there's no research that indicates some of us are born creative and some aren't. We're all born creative, but it is like a muscle. And if we're not using it on a regular basis, we're going to, it's going to atrophy and we're going to lose it. So I think the key thing for a long career, and like I said earlier, and this is so important, you, if you're plugged in, you stay engaged, you're not going to lose your creativity as you get older. You can be as creative as long as you want. You can be as vital. You could be as strong a leader as long as you want. So the only thing that'll hold you back is when you hold yourself back, when you step out of the picture, when you stop engaging, stop learning. Uh, Michelangelo, the greatest artist possibly of all time, it is the peak of his career, said, I'm still learning. I'm still growing. And so if he can say that, I think we can all say that. So stay plugged in, stay engaged. 
I, yeah, that is brilliant because it, it really is the learning that we continuously do. Like for yes. myself, I've seen this, like even with this podcast, I, I started to meet people like yourself and to meet incredible individuals and hear their stories and see what I can pull out of it. But each of these sessions is a complete learning session for me. And I love it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I appreciate that's that. Great. That's a great attitude. That's a great attitude. That's perfect. <laughs> So, Phil, I know we're winding down. Where can people find your book? Where well, can, yeah. And is it just for creative people or is it for everybody? Not, that's a great question. And it's for everybody. I mean, if you're a salesperson, a coach, a housewife, a pastor, whatever you do, we have to be more creative than ever in this life we live today. And so I, or I encourage anybody uh, who really wants to be more creative and be more creative on a schedule when you have to be at those moments you have to be, and you can buy the book anywhere. You can buy it at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, any place like that. Or you can go to my blog at philcook.com. I'm cook with an E P H I L C O O K E. And I write a blog there about these kind of issues. I kind of write about the intersection of faith, media, culture. And if you're a leader, um, I write a lot of stuff that will be right up your alley. So particularly when it comes to leading creative people. So I'd encourage you to go to my blog at philcook.com or you can get the book and, and my other books at, in any book outlet that, that you that you want, any bookstore, and uh, they'll be available. So I appreciate the opportunity to be on here and talk with you because this is this has got me thinking about some new ideas. So you've been really, you've been motivational for me, Jordan. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes, I will put all of this in the show notes and it's been a pleasure. Thank Thank you. Thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. For that, we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with Edwards Consulting. Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in.